So welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Sayed Picard. Dr. Sayed Picard is in the School of Dental Medicine, Department of Oral Biology, and also a faculty member in the Center for Craniofacial Regeneration. Dr. Sayed Picard, welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. Thank you for having me. So you have a variety of interests that all revolve around the primary area of dental regeneration. Can you tell us a little bit about your interest? Sure. So my research program centers on scaffold-free tissue engineering with a focus on dental and craniofacial structures. So traditional tissue engineering methods generally involved combining cells and growth factors with the 3D scaffold material to form a three-dimensional tissue that can be then implanted into a patient for regenerative therapy. And over the last several years, a lot of focus has been placed on designing the ideal material for this scaffold. But what we've learned is that these scaffolds have a strong influence on cell behavior through their material properties. So properties like their chemistry or the chemistry of their degradation products, their mechanical properties, or their surface properties like their topography, they all have a strong influence on cell behavior. But naturally, during development, cells generate their own extracellular matrix and organize their own matrix into a 3D tissue without the use of any exogenous material. So if we can harness this innate ability that cells have to generate their own 3D tissue, we can bypass these additional variables that are introduced by scaffolds. And this is what we're doing with scaffold-free tissue engineering. We're letting cells generate their own 3D structure. And because of this, the cells are basically able to generate their preferred microenvironment and generate and organize the tissue in the proper way. Following natural processes similar to what you're seeing in development or repair. My focus is using these scaffold-free tissues in multiple different applications. So the main focus is obviously to generate regenerative therapies for patients, to treat patients. But also, since these constructs follow processes that are similar to what occur naturally, I'm also using them as a model system to study tissue development or tissue disease. So one of the things that I find most interesting about these scaffold-free tissues is a number of scaffold-free tissues are, the cells are able to generate a multi-tissue construct that has the correct spatial organization that you see in the body. And the cells are able to do this on their own. So a couple examples of this is when we make these scaffold-free constructs from bone marrow stromal cells, they are able to self-organize with a bone core with a periosteum on the periphery. And that's what you see naturally in bones. They have these fibrous tissue on surrounding them called periosteum. The cells are able to generate this themselves. And forming these types of multi-tissue or organ structures is a big challenge using traditional methods. It's a challenge to direct the cells with a scaffold to generate into a full organ with the correct organization. So it's interesting that the cells in a scaffold-free system are able to do this on their own, and because they are, this is a great model system to study the mechanisms facilitating the tissue patterning in in this system. A big focus of my research program is understanding the mechanisms driving tissue patterning in these multi-tissue or organ constructs. That's very interesting. What are the intended applications for this technology? Again, I mentioned that one of the systems that we've been able to generate is a bone core with a periosteum periphery. Another 
big one is forming portions of your tooth. So not many people realize that your tooth is a complex organ system. The centermost tissue is your dental pulp, and it's a soft tissue that contains a population of stem cells, progenitor cells. And when we make these gaffa-free tissues from your dental pulp progenitor cells, they're able to organize into a dentin pulp complex. So it's a hard dentin tissue on the periphery with a pulp tissue in the center, and that's what you see in the center of your tooth. So one of the applications using this system by regenerating your dentin pulp complex, potentially this could be a new therapy for your root canal or your endodontic treatment, where when your dental pulp becomes infected, the current method is your pulp is removed and replaced with an inner material. Potentially, instead of using an inner material, we can replace it, regenerate the pulp tissue with now a living tissue and have a fully functional tooth. So that's one application. So this is very interesting. Can you elaborate a little bit on some of the mechanisms that you're trying to study? So in using this as a model system for tissue patterning, naturally during development, there are a number of different factors that are critical for natural patterning in your body. A couple of these are seeing growth, proper growth factor gradients across tissues or structures, and that directs cells to be able to pattern correctly. So one of the thrusts that we have right now in the laboratory is designing microfluidic devices that are able to emulate the gradients that we see in the body that direct tissue patterning. And now we can generate these gradients across our scaffold-free tissue and see if by generating these gradients we can alter the tissue patterning and customize the patterning in a way that we'd like. This is important for a couple different reasons. So on a basic science level, it will lead to better design of future engineered therapies or engineered tissues, but also we can customize the patterning. So now if you have an organ that's partially defected and several places in the whole organ, maybe we can engineer a portion of it that has the correct patterning, like a puzzle piece that we can then implant in to replace just the damaged region instead of the entire organ. Another big mechanism that we're looking at is the role of cell migration. So naturally during tissue development or repair, cell migration is critical in proper patterning. So when we use these populations of progenitor cells to generate these scaffold-free tissues, it's a heterogeneous population of cells. So we want to see potentially is there one subpopulation that is responding to an external cue and migrating to the outside of a construct to form a specific tissue on the outside versus the inside. And we're using advanced microscopy to be able to track cell migration and the role of tissue patterning in our engineered systems. So the subject of cell migration seems to be of interest to many different scientific endeavors. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about how you track cells? So what we're doing right now is, again, as I mentioned, we're dealing with a heterogeneous population of cells. So we hypothesize that a certain population might be migrating. And what we can do is we can identify and mark that population of cells using different markers. Some of the more popular ones are cell surface markers. And so we can use antibodies to basically mark these cell surface markers. And we can use a technique called FACS to basically sort out that population of cells. So we can then, once we now have a purified population, we can fluorescently mark those cells and then reintroduce them with the rest of the remaining cells and be able to follow how they migrate now when we use them in our engineered tissues using advanced microscopy like confocal or two-photon. Very interesting. So you mentioned the tooth is a complex organ. Yes. And I gather from what you said earlier that you're trying in part to rebuild parts of the tooth you're also looking at regenerating a whole tooth or just 
the individual subsystems. So I think it would be wonderful to regenerate the whole tooth, and there are definitely some challenges in doing that. I think a more reasonable goal would be to generate the whole tooth root, and that therapeutically would solve a lot of the current challenges that we're seeing as well. So now instead of having an implant, if we can regenerate a living tooth root with its complex structures, that's a goal that a lot of investigators are looking towards. And then once implanted, we can always put a crown on top of this engineered root, which is typical of therapies right now. So this is a lot of basic science at this point. When might we see some clinical trials? You know, it's always it's always an important question. It's always a challenge to answer. With the progression, we're hoping to be able to move these scaffold-free tissues and see how they are able to regenerate tissues and organs and then hopefully start looking at trials after that. So I guess from a realistic perspective, it's at least five years away. At least. That's the very short time frame in terms of some of the challenges you're facing. Right. That would definitely be a minimum. Very good. So Dr. Sid Picard, I believe that what you're trying to do is certainly a multidisciplinary effort. Can mm-hmm. you share with us some of the disciplines that you're using to move this work forward? So I definitely believe that for any regenerative therapy, we need to have strong collaborations between engineers, basic scientists, and clinicians. I myself have an engineering background, but I'm positioned in a clinical school at the dental school, and I work with a lot of basic scientists as well. And it's because of being able to work in such a collaborative environment with people with such diverse backgrounds, we're able to pursue this type of research. And because of being in such a collaborative, multidisciplinary area, I feel that this does have the chance of progressing into potential therapeutic applications in the future. So I understand that uh, some of the uh, studies you're pursuing involve the use of wisdom teeth as a source of stem cells for these therapies. Is that correct? This is correct. So currently all of my dental research is using cells from human teeth, predominantly, again, the dental pulp, which is that soft tissue in the center of the tooth. Being located in the dental school, I have access to extracted third molars, which are your wisdom teeth. I'm able to isolate these adult stem cells quite easily. And another reason why this is exciting to be able to be able to isolate these kind of cells from teeth is if we are able to use them for future therapies, hopefully we'd be able to get cells from the patient themselves or autologous cells rather than having to get cells from a different person or a donor. By doing so, we'd be bypassing a lot of additional complications. So hopefully we wouldn't have any rejection if we use cells from the patient themselves. Your mouth actually has a number of populations of stem cells. So you have your dental pulp in your adult teeth, your dental pulp in your baby teeth. There are progenitor cells in your periodontal ligament and a number of other tissues as well that are being researched. And so this could be a great source for um, stem cells or progenitor cells for a number of different therapies throughout your body in the future. So I presume when you take these cells from a tooth, you have to grow them up till you get a sufficient quantity for your therapy? We do have to grow them up, but depending on your tooth and the age of the patient, we can get a large number of cells from tissues like your dental pulp. Dr. Sayed Picard, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and sharing with us your pioneering studies as it relates to dental medicine. We wish you and your colleagues well as you make progress in this important area. I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. 
We welcome our listeners to reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>